Radical, episode 189. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being with me. Uh, super, super happy to have you guys here tonight. Um, I am doing a show on Bitcoin, but first I wanted to tell you guys, kind of bring you guys up to speed. Uh, homesteading is, uh, is, is taking up a little bit more of my life now that I'm getting around a little bit better. I haven't uh, haven't done what I need to do yet. So uh, soon, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share that with you guys in terms of um, some some physical improvements. But uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, we've been uh, we've been working on getting the uh, the chickens into their their new habitat, their new. Uh, put up a, a a big old I guess shed, but it's a, it's a coop. It's a it's a makeshift coop for them. Uh, got all that finished yesterday. Um, and it was actually pretty easy. I you know I actually I really suggested if you're gonna have, uh you know fifteen or more chickens, you need a a pretty good sized place for them. And um, there's some sheds out there. Uh, got mine from Costco and uh put it together in probably about three hours or so. Pretty easy. You needed a, an extra hand here or there, but uh, anybody who's uh, savvy can can do that kind of stuff. But at any rate, we got uh, the chickens out. They're about six weeks old now, uh, getting big, got them out of the brooder. Uh, kids are absolutely thrilled. That's the thing. Like Kids love this kind of stuff. Um, they get to see these, these animals mature. They get to interact with them. They get to take care of them. It gives them, you know, a sense of responsibility on top of the, the understanding, the know-how, the, the, the very real life skill of being independent, being, uh, more than, you know, just a, a kid who takes for granted, you know, what's in the refrigerator out there. So, uh, and, and, you know, obviously introduces them to um, the life cycle. Right. And you know, we were talking about it the other night and it was uh, it's kind of it was actually really cool. You know, um, you know, there is a, the gambit within my kids when we talk about these type of things. So um, like, we're going to we're going to eat them someday. Right. Because, you know, for for I guess uh, the most part, after about two years, uh, the the hens will slow down significantly in, in terms of laying eggs. But. Uh, you know, you have a rooster around, you're going to make new, uh, new chicken. So at any rate, uh, we were talking about eating them and putting them into the freezer after, you know, two years and growing a new, uh, you know, bunch of chickens and, you know, it's like, yeah, that's right. And then, you know, you got the, the comments like, well, man, you know, we're going to eat them. And I was like, well, you know, um, yeah, we are, you know, and they said, well, I guess they'll feed us. And I said, yeah, they'll feed us. We feed them. Um, it's kind of the cycle of life, man. So it, uh, it introduces a, a newer dynamic for kids uh, early on. So at any rate, I've uh, been doing a lot of that kind of stuff, um, trying to keep warm up here in North Georgia. And uh, I hope the rest of you guys, especially in the Northeast, after that snowstorm are doing well. Uh, I know you guys got absolutely crushed up there. So uh, I, I, I hope you are. I hope you're doing great. But uh, tonight, we are going to talk about Bitcoin a little bit. Uh, I've been spending a ton of time in the the Bitcoin, um, I don't know, learning sphere. And it's because the more I know about it, the more I know this is one of our maybe the best tool uh, for for people to use to, to decentralize uh, the government, to get government out of their lives, to find liberty and freedom and that's it's it's the greatest part is i mean for for us libertarians um you know we are a lot of us are in this space as austrian economists like this is this is what we do we are in 
the space of understanding the history of money, what uh, culture, you know, what, why culture is affected by the medium of exchange and how it's affected in all these different ways. And uh, not only that, but, you know, understanding what centralization does, what the, you know, hard money versus, you know, fiat currency can do to populations and over time, um, how those things uh, can either improve the human condition or they will absolutely uh, bring death and destruction. And unfortunately, um, the the countries of the world, a lot of them, especially the superpowers, are on the path of destruction right now because they've centralized for too long. They've gotten too big. They have taken too uh, too much for too long of good people. And it's starting to come back and bite them in the ass. Now, what we have in in 2022 is an escape hatch. We've had it for a while, but we, I think we're getting to the point um, where we're getting towards the crescendo of hyper uh, Bitcoinization. And I say that uh, because even in, you know, what was a, a, a bear market, um, you know, where, where things are going down. Um, if, if you don't feel like, if you're you're new to economics, like this isn't the show for you. This is definitely the show for you. Um, let me tell you, as a guy who was very intimidated by economics for a very long time, um, economics is only hard when you don't know the basics of economics from both the Keynesian and the Austrian side. Um, and I will encourage you, you know, there's a, there's a ton of great reads over at uh, the Mises Institute, and there's a ton of great reads on money at uh, Bitcoin Magazine. And I, I'd be lying. I, it, they are extremely interrelated. The, the sound principles of money in Austrian economics are what is codified in the communication protocol of Bitcoin. And so if you want to free yourself, free your family, free your community, your city, your county, your state, the people in this world. I don't care. This is your path. This is the this is the work that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to know this stuff. You're going to have to, to understand the different realms of what economy is. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot more fun if you do it with great people and i would encourage you guys um if you see um people in twitter spaces that are talking about bitcoin go talk about it now i will say up front um bitcoin is not you know crypto in the sense that everything else is crypto you know that altcoins or as a lot of people in the bitcoin community call it shit coins uh because they're not coded the same way the, their communications protocol isn't the same um, their hashing power, the idea that um, you know you have a very decentralized ledger for Bitcoin, whereas most every other coin out there um, is you know somebody can touch it, somebody can take a guy uh, and and put him in a helicopter and drop him in the ocean and change what's going on in those other cryptocurrencies. So. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm what a lot of people would call a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, I really I don't spend any other time uh, outside of that in terms of a crypto understanding. I, I know they're out there. I know if you are paying attention to it, 
there is the opportunity to make some money. But in the long run, I don't recommend it. Um, I do recommend Bitcoin. Uh, 100% recommend Bitcoin. But um, tonight, I'm going to go through an article. It's uh, it's by a, a great guy named uh, Marty Bent. And it was written on January 25th. It was uh, published over at BitcoinMagazine.com. Abundant power, open trade enabled by Bitcoin is the path to peace. The cheap, abundant energy and open trade enabled by Bitcoin will make humanity significantly more peaceful. And this is something I think we're all hoping for. I mean, I think everybody after 20 plus years of you know war in the Middle East is, and, and let's face it, not just the Middle East, uh, but around the world, you know, I think a lot of people are are done. They 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 want the uh, the military home. They want them return. They want their their sons and their daughters and their dads and their moms and husbands and you name it, man, come home. You know, we're not look at look at what kind of mess we have here right now, right? Like to, to the idea that we're going to go and spread freedom around the world when we're we can't even have discussions um, without being censored. Uh, you know, in terms of health, in terms of our uh, our money, uh, in terms of our daily lives, our protection, our our speech, the press, uh, being secure in our in our person's property and effects, due process, uh, not being tortured by our government for uh, for for life choices that hurt nobody but ourselves, like. We've got a lot to we've got a lot of work to do, and um, I think that Bitcoin is going to help us uh, get there in a much faster, much freer, much more peaceful way. And so, uh, this one jumped out at me, and uh, I absolutely love um, the the graphic on this one. It's uh, it looks like a child's hand is reaching up towards an extremely um, bright type of. Uh, sphere that is, uh, you know, a, a big Bitcoin type of uh, sphere that's floating and it's, you know, illuminated very much like a, you know, it's backlit by the sun and there's little, you know, stuff around it. And I know it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, good job in marketing and everything else, because you got my attention with it. And uh, I think it's a great headline for what we're about to read. So he prefaces this with a uh, a treat uh, at Marty Bent, M-A-R-T-Y-B-E-N-T. Uh, and I'm going to have a lot of these guys on here in the near future because I think we're going to spend more and more time uh, looking at the solutions to our problems, uh, especially in this economic world with Bitcoin, with some big, big names and big brains uh, that do this on the daily for a living. So here we go. As the protective quilt of the war drums gets ripped off and the steady thumping of war cries begin to get louder and louder, I thought it'd be appropriate to remind you freaks that a more peaceful planet is attainable if the bureaucrats who are running the world would be rendered powerless and the free market were allowed to deliver individuals across the globe the ability to peacefully trade amongst each other. Do you see? the hand in hand, the, the Venn diagram here between a lot of the Austrians, the libertarians, the Bitcoiners in this world. Oh man, we have so much in common in terms of uniting. And if we can just come in and be super uh, nice to each other and accepting and um, thoughtful in terms of the way we handle each other and teach each other, this is, and this is it. Like this is the unification moment for all of those groups. Luckily for us, Bitcoin enables this to happen by incentivizing the exploration and production of 
cheap energy while simultaneously providing humanity with a censorship-resistant peer-to-peer distributed cash system. Energy is the base of our modern society. Without our ability to extract, transport, and convert energy into electricity and fuel sources that can bust to power engines, we would not enjoy quality of life that we do in the modern world. Writing this newsletter for my kitchen table in Austin, Texas, and blasting it out through the interwebs to all of you freaks spread across the world, we're an international rag, would not be possible. Being as productive as we are, or rather can be today, would not be possible. This is something that should be celebrated and cheered on by all humans. It's pretty cool that we have evolved to the point where we are able to do these great things. However, for some reason or another, there seems to be a great shame that is pervading much of our society because of the belief that the process is somehow destroying nature. Aha. So I'm going to pause and, and talk about a little bit of this kind of stuff. I think he's 100% correct. I mean, as a, as a child, right? I, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a 1980s baby. And I guess that puts me at uh, the, the tail end of Gen X and the, the, the razor edge of uh, being a millennial. And, you know, uh, growing up in the 80s, you know, what I'm doing right now, uh, speaking into a microphone with my, uh, my audio um, conversion kit over here and, the, you know, this amazing setup and mic and studio. I mean, to be able to broadcast and simulcast this to different social media platforms, which, let's face it, didn't exist when I was a kid, uh, to be able to, to connect through not only voice, but video with millions of people to be able to find our crowds in a sea of 7 billion people on earth to be able to communicate across languages. It's unbelievable. We can do that. We, we, there, we, we, we do that all day, every day. The, the, I would, I would be very curious the amount of transactions not just online, but I mean, the amount of transactions that people have on a daily basis, 7 billion people on the planet, and the amount of interactions that we have on a daily basis, I don't care if it's, you know, seeing somebody, if it's hearing somebody, if it is, you know, an encounter online, I, I, I don't care, transaction, I don't, I wonder what that is versus what it was when I was a kid. Um I don't think connectivity has made us worse. I think it has made us better. I think it is finding its, I think it's finding some maturity finally. And I say that because I start to see guys like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk um, and a whole bunch of these giant names and counterculture and, and, and everything that stands against the, the murder cult, right? Like everything that stands against these people as catching a a big wave of support from their fellow human beings who are not those people who those you know who the you know the Fauci's 
the the Bidens, the Obamas, the, um, the the Trumps avoid. I mean, they can't sit down with these guys. They can't. They can't hold a candle to these guys. They live in a, in a narrative that is completely processed and made up, and you know, a derivative of just some of the worst parts of humanity. And so, this is to be celebrated. To, to this moment in history where we're finally seeing some daylight, some resolution, some um, egress of these people. Like, I mean, look at Canada where, you know, Justin Trudeau has left in shame as the truckers have taken over Ottawa. It's amazing to behold all of the protests that are, that they cannot stop from being streamed on YouTube and Twitter and you name it. Like to see all of this happening you guys are you guys are having an effect. We're winning. Like this is one of those things where, as time has come along, because we've stayed peaceful, we've given ourselves an out. And this, this is the rest of it. This is this is completing the puzzle as to how far we go with liberty, freedom, with economic sovereignty down to the individual. Back to the article. In reality, we humans are a part of nature. We are evidence that nature has the ability to be aware of itself and use that awareness to do great things. This isn't to say that some humans aren't wasteful and destructive. There are many wasteful and destructive humans. A majority of those wasteful humans can be found in the halls of government across the earth where they attempt to centrally plan nature, which leads its leads to its perversion. These centrally planned missteps are accurately highlighted in popular energy policy that has taken the world by storm. By thinking that they can centrally plan environmental stewardship, politicians and zealots have successfully set humanity's progress back by stupidly forcing large swaths of the global population to ditch very reliable energy-dense fuel sources like uranium, natural gas, oil, and coal for unreliable, less energy-dense sources like wind and solar. The product of these misguided policies has led to less and more expensive electricity production, which has affected poor people the worst. He's absolutely correct. What kind of energy you use is, I think, probably something that comes down to affordability. It also comes down to, obviously, then, what is plentiful in your area? I mean, here in the mountains, you know, what's extremely plentiful is water. Uh, the the ability to dam and and create hydroelectric, you know, power from dams. And then, you know, in the Northeast, it might be coal. It might be uh, that you don't have any of these kind of things and you need to rely on nuclear, which I'll tell you has come a significantly long way. And we're going to have some guests on some very very bright guests that are probably going to speak over my head a little bit here in the near future about small, actually even portable nuclear systems that are about the size of two buses. Think about what that could do for your community. Think about in a absolutely archaic electrical grid, what that does to, uh, to, to ramp up energy and drive down cost. It's coming. I mean, and it has to it's it has to it has to move that way the people that you know are talking about 
you know, this idea that humanity is, you know, destroying earth and, you know, it's because of the use of energy and things like that. Um, I think uh, Dr. Uh, Peterson addressed it very well on Joe Rogan uh, not too long ago when he was talking about they've basically defined it as everything. And if it's everything, then it's nothing. Uh, great segment. Go out there and watch it on YouTube. But to that, it is absolutely incumbent upon you and your town and your county, not your state, to figure this out, to figure out how do we get the cheapest energy possible at our local level, uh, whether it's for your home, whether it's for your automobiles, I mean, for a region um, like the Southeast to not, you know, do more with things like biodiesel, biodiesel and hydroelectric, the, the idea that we're we're not, you know, really focused on updating our our power grids, it it screams to me that there is just too much bureaucracy in place. There's too much. Uh, in the way of uh, preventing people from using the, the the time that they have on this earth in the most productive way. So anyway, here we go. So by attempting to energy shame the world, the bureaucrats who slither through the halls of the UN are actively trying to shame emerging economies from providing themselves the same quality of life we enjoy in the West that has come with abundantly cheap and reliable energy. This is one of the driving forces of conflict in our modern world. Do you know one of the biggest wasters of energy? It's the it's the government. It's the the most destructive, the most polluting, the most energy uh, I don't know, in, in terms of consumption is government unneeded, wasteful at that. The idea that you have all these government run buildings that wouldn't naturally occur. The fact that you have to light them, the fact that you have to build them, the fact that oh, you know, have to, the fact that they do it, the fact that uh, they, they have to heat and cool them, the fact that they have to keep them up, the fact that they have to pay people to drive back and forth to these places. They are, when we talk about wasting energy, time, money, resources, it's government. And not by any stretch are they even close to the rest of us. They spend probably more than all of us combined, I, am, I, I would guess. What the bureaucrats should be doing is allow the free markets to go about their ways of business unabated so that the innovative and ingenious entrepreneurs can get to work at solving our biggest problems, many of which revolve around providing markets with cheap, and abundant energy resources when people are able to easily and cheaply leverage electricity to do things they are able to increase productivity dramatically imagine how much innovation we'd see in emerging economies if their citizens had reliable and cheap electricity and were able to use that power for computers and machine machinery to do great things instead of being forced to spend their time traveling to clean water and doing manual intensive labor that cannot be replaced by much more productive machinery because of a lack of reliable power sources. Imagine how much stress would be lifted off of many people's shoulder shoulders if they didn't have to weigh the opportunity costs of turning on the lights versus paying for food. And why do you think 
these god-awful bureaucrats at the highest levels do this. They don't want to compete. They don't want their nations to have to compete with these nations that are emerging. I mean, look at China over the last 20, 30 years, right? China uh, went from a very agrarian type of society. I mean, seriously, survival, living off of the land in the muck and the mud to an industrial economy. And as they were lifted up and you think about it, you know, people who were earning very, very little, if anything, um, suddenly had access to money, a communication protocol to start buying things. So even a little went a lot further and provided for uh, some of the, the, you know, the necessities of life that they didn't have to do that. Now they could turn their attention to other things. The bureaucrats don't want to compete with those people. They want them in the dark. They want them starving. They want them, you know, to, to have to decide on things like this, to decide from subsistence lights versus food. They do it all the time. They impoverish people through sanctions, through warfare, through a whole lot of things. And now, what do you think they're doing? They're impoverishing people through the use of electricity. The idea that we can't use nuclear, we can't use all of these amazing resources um, that we have at our disposal. And that is absolutely so they don't have to compete. Back to the article. With that in mind, how much potential economic progress has been prevented from materializing because of the bureaucrats from the UN's penchant to punish the leaders they don't like by cutting their countries off from the global monetary system and the ability to access particular markets? How many innocent civilians who have the minds to produce the necessary innovative ingenuity to push humanity forward have been prevented from doing so due to their inability to access a global market. An obscenely high number of people. Obscenely. I mean, if we actually factored this in, the opportunity costs, and if you haven't read Economics in One Lesson, I definitely recommend you do it. I think it's absolutely free from the Mises uh, Institute, so go check them out. Um, They talk about opportunity costs, and they talk about the, uh, the compounding of the the cost because of government, right? When they're stealing resources from people that could otherwise use it to better their lives, take care of their needs, potentially fix a problem locally in their environments, in their counties, in their villages, whatever it is. Those uh, those opportunity costs stack up and compound exponentially. By providing the world with a very strong economic incentive to locate, extract, and convert standard and underutilized energy sources into cheap electricity, Bitcoin produces a free market bounty on abundant energy for the masses. By providing the world with a distributed peer-to-peer cash system that cannot be controlled by any government or centralized third party. Bitcoin provides innovative entrepreneurs the world over with the ability to tap into a global market and get paid for their services. 13 years into life after the Genesis block, and we are still very, very early. 
Most humans do not realize this potential yet. Do not fret, though. There are many who do realize the opportunity and are actively working to ensure it gets brought to fruition. In time and at scale, this should lead to a much more peaceful world as we are able to focus on more productive uses of our time and not induced with stress that leads to the increased potential for direct conflict by Marty Bent. Go check him out uh, at Marty Bent on Twitter and at uh, Bitcoin. He's got some good articles over there. And um, so, yeah, so let's, let's talk about this. The, the idea that we still have energy wars in 2022 uh, and, you know, Nikolai Tesla once upon a time said that energy was everywhere, right? Like it's everywhere from the, you know, from the basics, the rudimentaries, the, the sun, the the wind, the water, all the way to nuclear, right? Like there is so much from there, not to mention everything in between under our feet. Energy is there for our taking, for our use. Should we use it, you know, responsibly? Yes. The 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 idea, um, and you'll see a lot of it pop up, especially in Bitcoin circles, is uh, I should say, within the talks of government and, and bureaucracies where they want to kind of demonize the the Bitcoiners, uh, the, the people who have, um, you know, farms for mining and, and, and all of those things, right, that use energy, they do, um, that they are somehow going to wreck the planet. Boy, the trade-off between what Bitcoin is and how it is mined, uh, the idea that the last coin won't be mined until 2140 and the halving, um, you know, occurs. I mean, it's not even, it's not even close and it's laughable. The, these people have, uh, in the Bitcoin space have been predicting this for a, a long time. You can go back and you can read articles, uh, probably stemming back to, I would say probably at least, I don't know, 2011, 2012 sometime where they started talking about, you know, as, as Bitcoin grows in popularity in terms of coming into direct competition with the U S dollar specifically, but other centralized banks as well, you're going to see a pushback. You're going to see demonization of Bitcoin. And one of the vectors for attack is the, the energy that it uses. Right. So a lot of people don't understand, like, let's, let's talk about just science for a second. Like when you have a hydroelectric dam or when you have a nuclear power plant uh, or you have a coal plant or whatever, whatever, whatever it's running at in terms of optimization, that power that leaves that plant and travels on those power lines is either used or lost, right? I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, if you have batteries out there that can capture it and, and, and you know, transform it from uh, AC into DC, then okay. I understand it's not lost, but for the majority, right? It's lost. What, you know, the, the miners are doing is taking that extra energy and utilizing it, you know, utilizing it to put together a, uh, a communications protocol for medium ex exchange, you know, a peer to peer without a third party. I mean, the idea that you don't have to have a government bureaucrat or bureaucrat or bureauc bureaucracy, whatever, 
in in those in those transactions. I mean, with all the things that are going on in the banking world right now, where you know they want to know, I guess, you know, if if you do a transaction of ten thousand or more, you're flagged. They want to move that down to six hundred dollars. The control of every dollar that's ever spent, the every transaction that you make with anybody and everybody out there, they want to know this so that they can control it. This is a this this vector for attack through energy is just absolutely laughable when you understand what it takes to prop up a centralized, you know, U.S. dollar, right? And let's face it, it's just monopoly money. It's not uh, there's there's nothing that gives that thing value except you know the fact that other people in the world and around the country. Uh, still deal in dollars, right? There are still some people that believe in it because if they didn't believe in it, uh, you'd see a a giant crash, which is, it's coming. I mean, uh, you can't continue to print money as fast as these people do, call it MMT uh, in the Keynesian world and believe that it's going to find uh, homes anywhere. Like there are, there are countries all over the world uh, that understand what the U.S. is doing, what the Federal Reserve is doing, and they've lost faith in that because of inflation, right? When when you can inflate a money into oblivion and you know continue to print it out of thin air, it just means that the dollar that you have today that you earned uh, is going to be less tomorrow, and people don't like that. Here's the other thing: is a lot of these nations that have been pushed around that have been blocked out of transforming their countries because of energy or energy restrictions in terms of creation uh, that have been sanctioned, who have been absolutely destroyed by, you know, both real war and economic war. These people don't want to be in these systems. These people want to be completely divorced of these gross centrally planned economic, um, you know, banks that have abused and enslaved people around the world for over a hundred years now, right? Like this is, this is what's happened. And so these people in, in these countries are incentivized, especially smaller countries are incentivized to get the hell out of the U S dollar to get into Bitcoin. It's happening. And, you know, a few key signs that I see is when China says, you're not doing that here anymore, right? Uh, because the yuan is obviously over leveraged and overextended uh, and has been inflated into oblivion as well. The U.S. dollar, now that you have Joe Biden talking about executive orders uh, on it and calling it a threat to the U.S. economy. Well, it is, but because of good reasons, not bad reasons. The fact that you have Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russians uh, thinking about adopting this uh, and, and really pushing forward uh, at a much faster rate than the U.S. Uh, the U.S. wants to, you know, through their bureaucrats and everything else, they're trying to see how they can control this best. And that's another day for another conversation. Um, but this is tamper resistant, you know, especially when you have a cold storage unit, which is basically um, like a, 
a USB. For, I mean, for those of you guys that aren't in the space, basically, it's it's a cold wallet that you can plug into your laptop and take your uh, Bitcoin offline, your Satoshis, right? You can take them offline uh, where they are not accessible by anybody but you with your keys. That's it. I don't know. I'm... Uh, I, I love this article, uh, Marty. Uh, I hope to have him on the show soon and uh, to to talk more about this idea of Bitcoin and peace and and trade and and all the different amazing uh, pieces of I don't know just uh, just puzzle pieces that we have to figure out together that we can use these tools that we can leverage together to get uh, the government out of our lives and replace it. Uh, to to move on with humanity or to propel humanity where, you know, like I've said for a long, long, long time, you know, and, and, and my mission is to, you know, absolutely push people into their passions, right? Where, where can somebody be passionate? Somewhere where somebody can be passionate, they can put their signature on a skill set and where they can dedicate time and effort and their own resources without having them stripped by governments in absolutely wasteful ways that lead to decades and decades, if not centuries of opportunity costs that compound and compound and set the human species back. If they can recognize their passion and put their resources towards that passion and put their signature into those skills, then what you do is you create genius in a lot of cases and genius will lift the human condition over and over and over again. And I, that's, that's what, that's what radical is all about. We're, you know, we can sit here and and talk about the world's problems all day long, but a lot of times what we're talking about is solutions. Bitcoin is a solution for the world. It is a solution for humanity. It is a solution to transform us from a bureaucratic, centrally controlled species into a free, independent, individual, cooperative, consentful, peaceful species. That's that's the next evolution, ladies and gents. Um, that's what this is here for. That's what Helios is here for. That's what Brave is here for. If you don't know what they are, you can go to RadicalPod.com. You can check out all the different things on the website. Um, I hope, I hope uh, you will find them useful and uh probably gonna be updating the uh the site with some some bitcoin stuff here in a very near future as well but uh go check it out there if you love the show you can support it at patreon.com slash radical pod and i really appreciate that if you want to support uh my entrance fees into governor you can support it there as well um the I think it's Patreon or at uh, PayPal.com slash Radical Pod. You can uh, you can send me some some fiat there. Uh, we'll be accepting Bitcoin here very very soon. And uh, if you don't and you just want to go out there and make me feel good, uh, you can leave me a review on Apple, and that is a five star review. I'll read it here. Thank you guys for doing that. And outside of that, you got something to bring to my attention. Shane at radicalpod.com. It's uh this it's the belly button. If you need to get in touch with me, if you need uh anything, that is absolutely the best place for me because you know, unlike a lot of other places where I can't keep up with where I saw something, 
um, that centralized repository of uh, Shane at radicalpod.com is email. And that's, uh, it's one thing that, uh, you know, in the early morning and late at night that I do go through a lot of times, uh, I don't care if it's months later, I will get back to you. So at any rate, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you, uh, will stick around a lot more for everything that we're going to get to in this Bitcoin education, because I think this is, uh, our greatest tool for setting humanity free in our lifetime. So until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.